We have come to refer to this passage in John's Gospel as the cleansing of the temple. Such a description is something of an oxymoron because the temple was regarded as the place of cleansing, of purification. How could it be cleansed? One commentator noted it would be like saying that one was trying to make water wet. In his account, John says that this happened when Jesus arrived in the temple area, not in the temple itself. And this area was known as the court of the Gentiles. In other words, the place where anyone could assemble, where people could walk through and walk around at all of the tables and the booths of those who were assembled there. Unlike, of course, the inner spaces of the temple, which were reserved for the prayer of devout Jews and also for the priests of the temple. That this court of the Gentiles, this area, as John calls it, was a place for commerce, for a marketplace, was not so unusual. That's, that's what happened there. But it seems that the extent of the transactions caused Jesus to take some action. Obviously, seeing the activity as detracting from the nature of the temple, a place that was regarded as the very locus of divine presence. This is where God was among God's people. It was a sacred and a revered symbol. Jesus' action clearly stated that it had become something else altogether. It had been degraded to the point where the commerce was preying upon the poor and catering to the mercenary interests of the temple leadership. Much has been made of Jesus' actions. The use of a whip, the random overturning of the tables, the scattering of the coins of the money changers. And we sometimes tend to focus on those details and, and we can get lost in discussions about was Jesus really angry? Was he that human? Is this actual violence by the Son of God? Even righteous kind? But as shocking as those details may be, the real scandal was in his words, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. These words would be used by witnesses in his trial before Pilate. Of all the gospel writers who recount this incident, 
Only John offers the interpretation when he writes, he was speaking of the temple of his body. In other words, Jesus was telling them that everything that this physical structure stood for, the very dwelling of God in their midst, was being replaced by a human being, namely himself. And he was sent by God to be their temple. In him, they would find the true presence of their God. The breath of the Creator God that had breathed God's own image into human beings in the act of creation and who had enfleshed this only Son was indeed breathing life into the one who stood there in their midst and who in his ministry leading up to this time when he came to Jerusalem had made it very clear that the life breath of God was to be found in all manner of unruly prophets and needy neighbors. This was a radical declaration. This was not then and is not even to this day an always comfortable teaching. We can often find it easier to imagine God confined to a temple or tabernacle and speaking only through those who oversee those sites. Such a posture can diminish our awareness of the real and much more disturbing presence of God outside the walls and within people. The mysterious presence of the divine in the silent confines of a building can be more comforting, perhaps, maybe even more engaging, and that can be good. But there are also the cries of the prophetic poor and the laments of the lost and the lonely. What is most striking about Jesus' actions and his words is that this new temple is being built even as he speaks and acts. It's not only that future temple, what scripture scholars call the eschatological temple at the end of time in the new Jerusalem. This new temple that is Jesus himself is being formed even now, he tells them and tells us in the today of his ministry. Recall when he read from the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue of his hometown and finished by saying, today, these things are being fulfilled in your hearing. 
this new temple is taking shape in the court of the people, be they Gentiles or Jews, male or female, free person or slave, those of every color, language, and nation. The physical temple we know was destroyed by the Romans in the year 70, but the new temple of Jesus would not be destroyed even on the cross. And the temple of humanity in which God would find a dwelling would be as real as you and I in this moment and in this age. This is the work of a God who from the moment of creation would remain ever faithful to the promise to bring life forth in every creature and in every generation. This is the teaching of God's Son, who would remind us in particularly graphic and deliberate action that we ourselves are the temples of the breath of life, the spirit that gives life to and finds life in all other human temples, bestowing upon them mercy, as God said in the first reading, down to the thousandth generation. Not to be the stumbling block that Paul speaks of, but to be the cornerstone, the cornerstone of hope that is enfleshed in every being and the gesture of every being.